This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. And I'm Jarrett Murphy from City Limits. Ben, this week we finally had the votes in the City Council on Mayor de Blasio's sweeping citywide zoning changes, MIH and ZQA. And I have to say, over the months when community boards were expressing great skepticism and a lot of folks were coming out against the plans or, you know, very cautiously supportive. I didn't think that the mayor would get the kind of totals he did in the council. Yeah, the full council vote was, uh, I think, more in the mayor's favor than anybody really expected. Uh, MIH went through 42 to 5. ZQA went through 40 to 6 with one abstention. I mean, pretty big wins for the mayor. The council, of course, uh, also says, you know, they, they made pretty significant tweaks to the plan uh, especially, well, MIH and ZQA both for deeper affordability levels and some changes in ZQA to parking requirements and other things. So they were feeling pretty proud of it too. And I think that's how they got a lot of people behind it. I think also the logic that, and you and I have talked about this, that the mayor often relied on was saying that, uh, you know, this is really just a framework. This is not the plan. This is just sort of setting the table. We can deal with some of the other questions about labor practices and wages and dealing with lower income groups later. And I think in general, that's what the council internalized. And they realized that, you know, that they might have qualms and the community boards certainly have qualms, but they can be settled down the line. And, and it's true. I mean, a lot of the big decisions that are actually going to shape what this plan looks like are still coming. Yeah, absolutely. And we should definitely take a little time here to put this into context, right? And and now that now that we're not so focused on how will it be tweaked and will it be passed and what will the votes look like, we can sort of put it into the broader context and start to look at also the neighborhoods that are coming up. Um, I think, you know, I think one of the interesting things is that the passage of both these zoning changes also came with what you were just discussing, a, a significant letter from the mayor to the speaker and the whole council, basically, with some of those promises to address some of those issues in accompanying the zoning, you know, around local hiring and some other community promises, right, and looking ahead. Um, so, so let's start to put this into context a little bit. Where does MIH sort of fit into the larger, you know, housing plan and the construction of the new units the mayor wants to build? Right, and we should remind people that that the plan is for 10 years, uh, 200,000 units overall, 80,000 of them new construction, the rest 120,000 to be preserving existing housing. And the mayor has often said that MIH is not the housing plan, it's just one part of the plan. And you've been doing some looking, I know, trying to figure out exactly what part it's supposed to play. Right. So the estimates that, um, you know, folks in the administration have are that MIH will be responsible for about 12,000 of the new units that they hope to build, but they don't really have a complete grasp on that. And as we know, some of MIH certainly and some of this housing plan um, with, with definitively relies on whether Albany comes up with a new property tax exemption program, the former one known as 421A, either an extension of that or something different. And so there's a lot of reliance on that that we have to wonder about. Is new building actually going to happen um, without other massive city subsidies um, if 421A doesn't exist and how much MIH relies on that? Um, I think, you know, the first thing that the city is looking at is, okay, we're going to rezone East New York and we're expecting about 6,000 units of housing to be built in East New York over the next about 10 years, uh, maybe half of them affordable, but that's in a neighborhood that doesn't really have a hot market rate for housing right now. 
Right, and I think you know the 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 numbers that have you found for MIH in terms of how much the city thinks that it'll generate. It's interesting when De Blasio was running for mayor, he first began talking about inclusionary housing. At that point, I think his estimate was that it might generate fifty thousand units. My recollection is no one took that seriously mm -hmm. because that would obviously you impute that, and it would require a huge amount of new housing. I think the twelve thousand units is reasonable based on what we've seen in East New York, which will be one of the bigger neighborhoods. The fact that there will be maybe up to 14 other neighborhoods with major rezonings. I guess one of the questions that uh, uh, I'm still looking at, we're all still looking at, is how much will mandatory inclusionary housing stand on its own? How much will we be able to rely just on developers to create those units? And how often will city subsidies have to come in and kind of help get to those levels? I mean, that you know, some of the MIH options preclude the use of subsidies, but some don't. And I think that could be a meaningful distinction. Right. I think a couple of other numbers we have to keep in mind is that there's a variety of choices that will be involved in the MIH plans. But generally speaking, you can sort of say on average, these new buildings under MIH will have about 25% affordable units, right? So you have to build you know, four times as many total units, adding a lot of housing density, a lot of market rate housing to get a quarter of those units as affordable with certain rent regulations tied in. So that, again, you know, a lot of people have been pointing to this and the mayor has said this himself, we're talking about trying to build a lot of housing period and within that, a good amount of it affordable. Um, so a few other numbers to keep in mind are that this plan in total is about a $40 billion plan $8 billion of that is, is city money that they're putting towards it, and then they're looking to leverage federal tax credits to help them build affordable housing. So as we look ahead here, we're, we're, we're looking at East New York, we're looking at other neighborhoods coming up. What, what are some of the other things we should sort of be thinking well, about? Well, I think, you know, the money you talk about is going to pay for housing, and it's, it's supposed to also pay for promises. And we're getting now into the, into the period where Neighborhood by neighborhood, as the mayor has often said, would eventually be the process. We're going to identify very particular uh, steps the city is going to take to try to improve neighborhoods and make them ready to accept more density. And whenever that occurs, there's you know it's not just about a certain number of house, houses being created, housing units being created. It's infrastructure investments. It's changes to the streetscape. A lot of promises get made when communities are being asked to accept density, and they're not necessarily easy promises for an average person or even a journalist to track. Um, and so I think there's been some talk in the council and in the city about putting in place a mechanism so that five years from now, East New York can look and say, okay, this is what the city promised and this is what they've delivered. Yeah, this was really interesting, uh, this announcement this week by public advocate Letitia James and the city council speaker, Melissa Mark Viverito. They announced that they're going to be pushing forward legislation, which I have to imagine passes, um, that mandates the city to publicly and carefully track neighborhood commitments and where those are in being met. Um, that's a huge part of all of these neighborhood plans that are going to go forward, East New York being the first one, but then we're getting into West Flushing and parts of the Bronx and Staten Island and Queens, and it's going to be um, you know, very interesting to watch. And of course, East Harlem, the Speaker's District, so they're putting forward legislation uh, to track all these, all these promises that the city's going to make, whether it's school seats or NYCHA updates or park, you know, green space, um, and, and that's going to be very interesting to see how the city is held accountable for the promises that they're making. And of course, what fascinates me about this is the way that all that we're talking about, about 
you know, the public control of zoning, public investments, public promises, the role of the market in really shaping what will ultimately be the impact of the mayor's plan. You know, a lot of the discussion about gentrification obviously is kind of fear of the marketplace. A lot of this plan, though, is, is the numbers you quoted, $40 billion, only $8 billion of it actually from city coffers. A lot of the plan will depend on the market coming in and, and producing something. And one element of the story that we've begun looking at is what role the market is already taking in neighborhoods that have been slated for rezonings and has there been speculation. You know, you own property or you're thinking of buying property in an area that at one point was just another neighborhood and now suddenly is in the pipeline hmm. to undergo a huge rezoning. Has that triggered some, you know, uh, kind of before the fact change in housing prices. We found in East New York that there's, there's evidence on both sides. You know, this was a neighborhood that was probably going to see some investment anyway. It does have advantages. Um, but clearly, it's, it's pretty clear that some of the rise in prices there in terms of rent and property values is because people anticipated the rezoning. It'll be interesting to see if the other neighborhoods that have been named uh, start to show some evidence of that. Yeah, you, you guys at City Limits had a really nice piece on speculation possibly starting to happen in East New York at Gotham Gazette. We're going to try to look at it even you know a little more broadly about trends around housing prices, especially in some of these neighborhoods that are you know a little quieter right now. But but as you said, you know real estate developers and investors, the the city has broadcast its plans for where it plans to rezone and build and so some of these plans are years out and people can get in on the ground floor so to speak um to invest in these places and that's where we might see some of the speculation heat up these markets even before people expect it so we're going to try to take a look at the status of specul you know real estate speculation around the city especially in these areas that are set to be rezoned um speaking of east new york you know, our, our colleagues at WMYC and the nation have, have been really closely looking at that. And I understand you're you're coming up on, a, on an episode of their uh, There Goes the Neighborhood podcast. Yes, they wanted someone to uh, <clears throat> page through what they called the mind numbingly boring uh, details <laughs> of the of zoning. And I guess I was the man for that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'll be on the next episode. I think that one thing that I, I, I'm really interested by is, you know, we've had this list of seven neighborhoods in our head for a long time, East New York, Flushing, Long Island City, Jerome, uh, Avenue of the Bronx, and Bay Street and Staten Island and so forth. There is another list uh, that will eventually emerge as longer and longer of the other neighborhoods. Um, and, you know, looking at the map of the city, where else will we be talking in two years' time about rezonings? And obviously developers are looking at that map, too, and that, that fascinates me. I think that's where the conversation will go next is, you know, we know now what's coming on the pipeline, but um, what will the 8th or ninth rezone neighborhood be? Sure, and, and, you know, looking at that, some of that will even depend on who is the mayor, right, in 2018 you know, and beyond. I mean, we, we assume Bill de Blasio is in really good shape for re-election, but we don't know. And some of these things that are way down the road could, could shift depending on how the politics plays out. And I think that's one really interesting thing to watch here is now that these citywide plans are through, he's been making a big pitch in East New York, visiting the neighborhood, speaking at some churches, etc., Let's watch and see how he and his administration also embrace and communicate with some of these other neighborhoods because, you know, that's so key to city council members and community boards getting behind it is where are you engaging them in the process? That's right. I mean, I think the lesson is to all this is that policy matters, but uh, politics matters, too.